podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of the KLNS Rugby Podcast because, well, there's only one thing that we can talk about on this Tuesday, the 15th of August, and that is the rescinding of Owen Farrell's red card in the Summer Nation Series game against Wales. To be quite honest, did anyone see it coming? Probably not, but this is the state we are in. It's the only thing that rugby fans have been talking about. And as I was already going to be hopping onto a podcast with Enda and you will introduce in a minute, we felt we might as well add in. No one else records on a Tuesday evening, so why can't we? So joining me to talk about Owen Farrell's red card, and maybe not necessarily Owen Farrell because we don't want to focus on him, but just the process in general is the two hosts of the Pirate Rugby podcast, Hugh Griffin and Enda Fahey. So, welcome on, lads. Hi, Caelan. Thank you for having us. No problem. Hi, Caelan. Thanks. Thanks for having us. It's, it's good to have here. you on. Um, might, might as well just get started right into it and start with yourself. And uh, we're like, suppose no one's seen it coming, first of all. We all thought it was a red card when we see the incident. Um, so, what's your thoughts on the fact that it has been rescinded and as myself and Hugh were saying before we came on recording, this is a tier one captain who is going to get the chance to not serve any suspension for something that looked like it would be four or five weeks. Just incredibly disappointed and not to be overly dramatic, but today reminded me of those kind of harrowing stories that came out about the former players who are in their 40s and suffering from early onset dementia. Like that, It was one of those moments because when, 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 when that news broke, um, and you found out about the amount of players who were affected uh, because of brain injuries. That really, like I, I played rugby from eight years old until I was about 23, and I, it, it's given me so much. Um, but I honestly, at that time, when that news broke, I felt almost guilty following rugby. I didn't really know where to go. And, you know, since then, you know, I've come to terms with it. Uh, I'd like to think, I don't know, after today, that, that we're rugby are trying to make rugby a safer sport. But I don't know if that's gone out the window uh, as of today's decision, but it, it was honestly one of those moments then today when I saw this, because I'd like to think that World Rugby, as I said, are doing things, and then they come out with this. Now, again, it wasn't a World Rugby decision. It was a Six Nations Committee decision. But still, it just it, that, that's how much it affected me, to be honest, because like, we need to take this issue extremely seriously. And look, we, we, we all know how they've somehow come to this decision with the mitigation and the alleged drop in height, which I think... Uh, I'm sure a lot of your viewers and listeners will know uh, Tim O'Connor. He's um, who's barrister. He's put up those those clips online. He's done an excellent thread on Twitter. And like the drop in height is is ridiculous. Like it's it's a couple of centimeters, if that. Um, so for me, it wasn't enough um, to 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 warrant just a yellow card. Like I can't believe we're talking about a rescinded red card here, and we're not talking about being horrified at a three or four week ban when it should be a five or six week. Um, but honestly, that that's how much. Uh, that's how much it kind of shocked me today. And I don't know, like, I, I, I'm really frustrated at the sport. I hope there's an appeal. Um, Tim did say initially to me on Twitter when I interacted with him that um, World Rugby could appeal it. It now seems that it'll be, it'd have to be Six Nations. The Six Nations authorities would have to do that. I hope someone does because the, I've never seen a reaction like this. Um, and not just on Twitter, like a lot of new, other, like a lot of news agencies, agencies are picking up on this. So, I, I really hope it, it's appeal. I really do. And there were two people I did see on Twitter who did see this. One of them was uh, Rugby and the Law. I don't know if you follow him. He, he work, he's yeah. a lawyer for, uh, I think he works for a London-based law firm. And he did suggest this on, I think it might even be on Saturday evening or Sunday. It was, it was uh, the, the day of the game, yeah. 
yeah, that this could have been the decision. And I just, yeah, I, I, I'm flabbergasted, but yeah, I'm just, just, just frustrated. And, but I just hope there's an appeal, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. Like it, we need to take this issue more seriously. Um, I really like Owen Farrell. I've nothing against him. He's a, England are a better team uh, with him playing. Um, it's not, um, but he has to take something like it is. His, like he's ended up in this situation. It, he needs to improve his tackle technique. He obviously hasn't. And we are where we are. Just, but it, at the moment, it, I'm embarrassed in a sense to support rugby at, at this moment in time. But I, I won't go on anymore about it. But those are my initial kind of uh, thoughts. Oh, and they're, they're fairly um, to the point, all right. And then the one thing that kind of came into my head when you mentioned it is there is incredible transparency with a committee hearing. You You hear every last, how they came to every decision and whatever, but then... We don't know where the next footing is here. You don't know if World Rugby are happy or, if, you know, not, I know that's dumbing it down way too much, but like World Rugby say they want a safer game. They say they want suspensions, but yet if Owen Farrell was given a three-week ban with that 50% off that everyone seems to get nowadays, you would have been like, well, that's no surprise. That's not actually helping the game, you know, and... I, I'm not going to go and bring Johnny Sexton in this early, but as a friend of mine said in the Sexton debate, you talk about game, bringing the game into disrepute. Well, we have a different decision every single week for different things, you know? And yeah. you you mentioned the idea of refereeing by outcome. That was probably something that we could talk about with the Freddie Stewart-Josh Adams incident. But here, mm-hmm. Nika Amishakelly did everything right. The TMO, who don't have the name of said red card, which everyone expected, but three citing commissioners, two of which ex-players from Australia, which is important to note given their ideology, they said differently. And I suppose you, you can't feel too surprised either, as much as we're all kind of shocked and all that. It's hard to feel too surprised, isn't it? it yeah, exactly. Shocked but not surprised, I think, is a good way to um, sum it up. You know, all of the discussion, and I've listened to a, a few podcasts and I've seen all the discourse on Twitter. I've chatted to, you know, you guys and and some other guys as well. The debate was not, is it a red card or not? The debate was, how long is the ban going to be? Yeah. And no one saw it not being um, a red or seeing the red being rescinded, even journalists. And journalists are quite tend to, to sit on the fence quite a lot because they don't want to affect their relationships. Even journalists are going, this is madness. They are, what, what has happened here? Um, but it's not surprising that, <clears throat> excuse me, an organisation like whether it's World Rugby or the Six Nations or whoever is badly out of touch. And, you know, you make a great point about, um, you know, I don't want to disparage a whole nation of people, but we know that there are down in Australia, there are individuals who really don't have any time for the the head contact laws you know when you hear some of the commentary um from the southern hemisphere when there is a head contact and you hear the um, the commentator saying oh referee put your whistle away put your cards back in your pocket we don't want you to do this obviously they have rugby league over there and aussie rules over there aussie no rules that should be called when it comes to player safety um yeah it and I feel like with the whole head contact laws, fans have really gotten on board with it a lot quicker than people within the actual sport, which is mental. Um, we have gone through, as a, as a group of fans for a sport, 
the storm periods of these head contact laws, which have been these aren't how long has it been now? Five, six four years? years? Four four years since the first real strong clampdown. The World Cup twenty nineteen had more work had more cards than any yeah. set of games ever. Because I, I like I, four yeah, years on. Hmm. So I remember like the first real storm was at least in the UK was uh, a, a prem, an English Premiership game where Danny Cipriani got um, a red card because basically a player fell onto his shoulder, mm-hmm. and there was a, a a storming period where there was loads of red cards, and then they started to dial back a bit. And we've seen in high-profile games some slightly dodgy, well, dodgy, slightly fifty-fifty calls that have erred on the side of keeping players on the pitch. So we've been through all that, and as a fan base, we know how to have this debate now. But it feels like there are people within the sport making decisions. You know, players, coaches, committees, whoever it is, who still don't get it, who still aren't, who aren't on the page, and still kind of think, "Oh well, it's rugby. You know, it, these things happen." So it's we've ma- we've now got a maddening situation where the fan base is ahead of the sport in terms of understanding the sport's own laws uh, and the intent. I think that's the main thing. You know, you can talk about, "Ah, uh, well, the mitigation and what the mitigation and the framework and thing is." Guys, what was the intent of this law? The intent of this law was to change players' behaviours to uh, reduce brain injuries. And, oh, oh, now we're just, oh, no. It's like the whole 20-minute red card thing. Again, another Southern Southern Hemisphere thing. Oh, it's a red card. Oh, a lot of people getting red carded. Oh, okay. Uh, The red card's not as bad anymore. There you go. That'll keep people happy. Like, no, you're, you're leaving behind the intent. And, you know, as you say, Caelan, the, the refereeing outcomes. Farrell has committed an illegal act. He was never legal. Um, we're not, yeah, and yet we're not punishing his actions. We're punishing the outcome again. And you've mentioned the Freddie Stewart one. Freddie Stewart did something dangerous in taking a player out in the air. One, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous things you can do on a rugby pitch. But the sanction for that is decided on how the player lands. That's mental. That's mental. The player protects himself, essentially. Yes, exactly. So, like, going back to your original question, shock but not surprised, rugby has precedent for this. Rugby has precedent for making these mistakes. And in the way that the law is written, it just gives scope for these things to happen because it's all about the outcome, not the action. And that's the, there's a couple of great points you made there between league and you know not wanting red cards and things like that because Will Keller of the of the Times UK sat down with Kevin Sinfield today it must have been press day or whatever and Kevin Sinfield is basically backing his player to the hill and I understand you have to toe the party line but you look at some of the quotes about it and Sinfield is saying you know he only made one mistake and he's a great disciplinary record he's a good tackler Kevin Phil, Sinfield comes from rugby league. Kevin Sinfield is not the first coach to try and gatekeep everyone into thinking that they're doing a good job. And the way I see it is the likes of Sinfield, I'm not attacking him in general. He's just a symptom of this particular incident, like Owen Farrell is. They're trying to change people's perceptions in the wrong direction. Les Kiss was another at London Irish, the most red-carded team in the Premiership. Um, Fern Cotter last year, Joey Carberry was ruled out for something like three weeks with concussion. Fern Cotter said, oh, I don't know what's a red card and what isn't anymore. These things aren't helping. You compare that and I, people might roll their eyes and say, well, of course you know this. Graham Rountree was on Access Munster during the season. Munster got one red card all year and he said it disappointed him that they got one, 
because they'd worked so hard on not getting red cards and changing tackle heights. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, and I don't know if I have a question at the end of this, because this is all pretty much ad lib, but you have got the, both sides of the coin there. You have some coaches who are, let's make the game safer. We need to still have the game that will outlive us. And then others who are like, well, you know, we don't want to ruin an 80-minute game over the course of a week just because of a red card, even though red cards don't ruin games. And it's, it's ridiculous. This is, this is Ender's trigger, trigger <laughs> word, red cards ruin games. It's everyone's yeah. trigger word, Hugh, at this stage. At this stage, I'm just at the case where I'm like, what if I started saying red cards make games better just to really annoy people? Because they actually do make great games. But anyways, that's beside the point. Last week was a bore fest. Um, like, I suppose I don't really have a question, but when you hear the thoughts like that from the likes of Sinfield and from other coaches, it kind of ties in what we were saying. You're not surprised. Do you know? And, and you're and you're dead right, Kale, on 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 the coaches' piece. Like Ireland's disciplinary record as well is excellent. Like it, it can absolutely be coached to tackle low and not to go high. It, 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 like we have so many examples now uh, in modern rugby of of teams who aren't who are going lower and who are yeah not 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 causing um this amount of red cards. Like it's it's yeah. yeah I get but frustrated. Well, a league man, to, to be yeah, yeah but we won't have a bad word said about Andy Farrell now on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um it's it's ridiculous though isn't it like and i suppose there's so many different angles you could take the technical standpoint of the tackle you could take the world rugby side of things but because i don't want to seem too harsh and far we might just go on the the world rugby side and the frameworks and essentially and i'm going to put it to you and uh like if rugby is in a situation where we follow this framework sometimes, but not other times, what's the point in having them at all? Yeah, I'd agree with you. Uh, it seems like there is too much, I know Hugh, you touched on it, that there's too much kind of a, of a possibility there to to maybe have a different outcome or a different interpretation of a, of a specific piece of that um, law. Like that, that, that's what really frustrates me. The fact that we're at this decision now and that nobody really saw it coming and none of us would have complained if it had been a six-week ban or even longer. Like the, the fact that you could argue both ways to me is just a bit mad. When, like on the facts of this case, it looks like it was very much a clear cut case. Like how how have we gotten here? It sounds like we've gotten here because of an excellent lawyer, um, who somehow convinced uh, three people that, yeah, that Jamie George's impact on the player was such that the the height dropped and like that Farrell yeah didn't have time to adjust accordingly and he did have time to adjust accordingly and um, he comes in high but again we know that's that's not against the law you can come in high but you know he he smashed his shoulder into his face and he's time to adjust and he doesn't wrap his right arm he tucks it like yeah. he always doesn't like, so it's yeah i i don't know how like what, what where do we go from here is is also my question back to you like, like so obviously like we like who knows like what the decision is going to be uh week on week um, so my question is, where, where do we go from here? Like, do we make further adjustments? Do we make it more clear cut? Like, to, for me, yeah. we need to come down harder, and we need to like we need they need to start factoring in the deterrent element to this because we need to change player behavior. Owens Farrell's behavior has not changed. Yeah. That's clear to me. So something needs to be done there, and That's that fair. that would have been fascinating too if he had it been banned to see like if because I know that one of the considerations is like uh, obviously past behavior and is there a need there for deterrent? Like it would have really interesting to see if they did and then maybe they pile on an extra week or something like that. But again, we'll never know. 
or will be if if it's appealed. Who knows? But... Well, I, I suppose the one it's again it's easy for me to talk about the bubble that I'm familiar with, which is Irish rugby. Between the five Irish rugby teams of the men's senior team in the four provinces, there was a combined four red cards this season, one each for each province, which is not too you know bad. It's like hearing as a Scarlets fan. We have four red cards a game. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's because of the players he signed. But anyways, like it's entirely different then when you look at say, you know, like a London Irish who have had, I think they had something like three and four weeks or something at one part of the season in January or something like that. And these are the people who are also impacting the conversation as well, you know. And I I suppose like from a rugby safety element, you. Like you talk about changing player behaviours, changing coaching behaviours, which obviously neither of which seems to be impacted. Like, do World Rugby need to come in and be stricter and double down? Or do you think they need to maybe, and again, I un- I understand this is one tackle in isolation, but we are also looking at Sander Fagerson getting a short ban for a clear out as well the other day. And chances are it'll happen during the World Cup again. And do you think World Rugby need to change something? as well even if it's I, I know Mary Kinsley the 42 said have all the sighting commissions done by World Rugby for instance so everyone's seeing off the same hymn sheet like is that something that can be done like what can be done because realistically we're all young men we don't want to outlive the game but at this rate yeah. it could well yeah I think my my worry with what with that solution is how much do you trust World Rugby to be any better not a lot um, <laughs> not a lot so World Rugby, I don't think that either the Six Nations or World Rugby or anyone will undermine the committee by overruling it or appealing it um, because it's a bad enough look already. And I think that that's how these guys think. I think they will close ranks and save face. Um, Is it not worse, though? Sorry to go across you, if they don't. Like with the, the impending litigation and like the like the future of the sport is literally, for me, like in jeopardy. If they I don't do something they... and they stand over this and they don't come out with a statement, like I know Progressive Rugby came out and they did an interview, um, they did an interview on BBC Five Live and they said they like somebody needs to do something because if they don't, it, it looks even worse. Like they have for me anyway. Like I don't know. Sorry to cut across you, but yeah, they, they the, need to do the, something. The Progressive Rugby uh, is many places. It's most people probably best know it as a Twitter account. I don't know if the old man who run Rugby Union even own smartphones, let alone go on Twitter. Um, so th- this that's the kind of situation that we live in. Um, yeah, Of course, I'd love to see them do something, but I'd, there's nothing in their past actions or behaviour that tells me they're going to. And also the other thing I'd say about World Rugby is that World Rugby is one of the most impotent sporting bodies conceivable because... They, uh, I'll let you jump in in a second, Caitlin. They, when they come up with new rules and regulations and things or ideas, they take it to the unions for approval and they say, we want to do this. Will you guys buy into it? And, you know, without getting onto a whole separate rant, basically the Kiwis and the English and the French have yes or no on pretty much every idea that World Rugby has. So if one of them says, um, no, we don't want to do that new rule. Okay, it, it, that's it. It's over. And that's what, you know, we've got different rules at grassroots level to pro level, for goodness sake. Like grassroots in England, you can't, it has to be, you know, below the nipples for it to be a legal tackle. That's not what it is at the elite level. There are professional players and not 
held to that same standard. Um, and I think that's prim- primarily because the unions don't jump into it. So, you know, would I like to see a standardized um, uh, disciplinary process? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I, I can see no downside of that. Right now, I can't trust World Rugby to be the, the saviors because they've, as far as I can see, when was the last time they saved anything to do with World Rugby? Yeah, oh, that's fair. And th- there is a massive sense in rugby of tail wagging the dog. We've seen it with the new not a Nations League type thing that was essentially, oh, it's it's ring-fenced. You know, the one thing that people have been screaming about for years that makes rugby great is that we, we don't ring-fence, like, no, you did. You just did as well. And what came to my mind here as well, kind of moving away from that, is the bunker system is just in place. It looked like it was going well. It looked like it was going right. And granted, I've heard some opinions that Nicky Amish Kelly probably could have sent off one Farrell himself, which yeah. is fair enough. But I suppose I understand why referees would use it, even if you know it may feel yes. like a cop out. Yeah. But it's it's it not does, a cop it out. It does, compared. but as long as it gets to the right decision. Yeah, fine. exactly. But then exactly. we're not at the right decision now at this point on a Tuesday evening. But and... the bunker did get to a right decision. But the bunker did, yeah. But has it been yeah. undermined? And seeing as you're going to jump across me, what's that asking you? Sorry, mate. You feel like it has been undermined then? Do you feel like Nika and, again, I don't have the TMO's name to hand, have been undermined because of three siding commissioners, two of which ex-players, ex-players from nearly 20 years ago now, made a decision instead of a top elite referee in a top elite game. Like, is this basically summing up exactly what's wrong with the system? 100%, mate. I think um, the the scare, one of the scariest bits of the, the statement that got put out about the verdict was um, they did this pathetic little pandering thing at the end where they said, uh, we don't want anyone to criticise the officials for getting this wrong. They don't have the time or the information to make an adequate decision. And it's like, what so you, What they've basically said there is referees and TMOs don't have the means to make correct decisions when officiating rugby games. That's mental. So when you talk about undermining, it's the most fundamental undermining you can imagine. You, you guys, during a rugby match, it is impossible to make a correct decision. So so there so we can basically do whatever we want in the afterwards process so yeah are they undermined 200% yeah no and I'm actually just after jumping in I'm after seeing that quote but kind of looking at Twitter to see if there was something else that I was forgetting from all this I've just seen that Sean Edwards has come out and said well safety is paramount but you know it's a collision sport which is highly disappointed as well and the Morton Sinfield disappointing these are two of the defence coaches of a World Cup favourite and England uh, going into a World Cup. Like, that's where are we supposed to go when that's the attitude? And I know we said Ireland seems to be different and whatever, but like, like the one thing that no one's talking about is what about Tane Basham? This is a player who just got yeah. smacked in the chin who failed the HIA. We talk about being a safer sport, progressive rugby hammer home that message more better than anyone but no one has even asked how he is all a lot of people care about is the sanctity of the sport and rugby values and yeah i know it makes you sick at the best of times and hashtag, hashtag rugby values yeah don't use that at the wrong time actually it doesn't really piss people off but anyways 
Like, no one's even asking about the player. Like, Josh Adams got taken out in the air the other day and one ex-player um, decided to say he was he was play-acting. And, like, that's that's where we are too, isn't it? Like, how do we get to here? Four years on from, as I said, the original kind of clampdown at the World Cup to get right back to square one, even though we have made progress, it is fair to say we have made progress, but, like, how long is it going to be before all attitudes change? I know that this is going to be a tough question for you, but like, can you see the light at the end of the tunnel here? Like at a proper level, I know it looked like things were changing up until the last couple of weeks, but let's not forget there were decisions during the season as well that brought the same aggro. This is just more high profile. But like, is it ever going to fully change? I think it will. And the reason I think that is because it has to change because of the impending legal action like that, that that's going to drive it. Like that's why we're seeing the IRFU and the RFU introduce um, the reduced tackle lights. Like they, they realize that the, the, this future of the sport is under threat. So I think it is going to happen. Uh, it's going to be forced. It's going to be shut down our throat, but like it, it has to be. Um, but I think it's going to take an awful long time and, just touching on the HIA process there that you mentioned, I don't know if you saw, Kaylon. I know Hugh, you did. Did you read Warren Gatton's article on the weekend where he suggested... I heard about it with the WRAP pod, but I didn't yeah. actually read it. It's, so it's he literally bizarre. suggested that he, 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 he potentially failed the HIA because there was a TV on. Yeah. Like, even if that is, like, even if there's an element of truth to that, like, it's just not a statement. You, you, like, I can't believe he put that in a column. Um, like that that for me is what is so disappointing like just focus on the player's health and like don't get into maybe like the in, the ins and outs of a, a brain injury assessment which is what it is Um, so I thought that that was really disappointing so to answer your question yes but it like that to me that article just shows how long it's going to take to change behavior and and hearing what Sean Edwards just came out and said it, it is going to take an awful long time and just touching on the bunker as well, I've been full of praise for like last year guys delights, you know, with the Scottish decision. Um, like I think that was brilliant the way that whole thing was handled. We didn't see constant replays and they came to the right decision in the game. But then last week, like over the weekends, obviously they got the Farrell decision right. I think all three of us, um, so does 99% of the rugby community uh, believe that they did. But it, for me, it's still like, I think it's in the can now because of what's just happened, obviously. But yeah, with the other incident in that game where it was yellow card, like, for me, that should have been referred to the bunker. And because it wasn't, the bunker can't step in and review it. So for me, like, maybe the bunker system was flawed from the outset because if, like, obviously the reason that the, it was introduced was so that a TMO would have time to review it, not be under pressure, and obviously it, it improves the spectacle. But, like, obviously then there are, like, it gives that person eight, eight minutes to review it and they get to see other angles, which potentially those referees didn't see. Um, on the weekend, and then just said yellow card, and like, so, so that really, I couldn't believe that that that, and that is definitely the case. And, and the threshold is as long as it's the minimum, uh, it's a yellow card for foul play. That that's the only threshold. Then go like this, and it gets referred, and it didn't. And that that was, I think, was was really disappointing as well. But but based on on today, like, I think it sounds like it's 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 in the can for sure. Yeah, and I, we will have to start wrapping things up soon. But you as well, like. You talk about grey areas. Technically, what happened to um, Josh Adams was perfectly legal, as we mentioned at the top of the show. 
but at the same time, it doesn't look right and it is dangerous play. And then you look at this one and it's like, well, I suppose he got pushed into him, which I, I don't agree with. But we had the same thing happen in the Six Nations game this year with, um, I believe it was Geelong attacking by Grant Gilchrist. And the same thing happened, player got pushed. But that was genuine. Like The ball carrier lost his footing completely and completely slipped down and got hit in the head. But that was a red card. And like, I suppose just kind of looking for final thoughts here, really, with the World Cup coming up. Would you be afraid that this we're going to keep having this conversation? I, I am one to believe that the rugby will do the talking that we're set for a great World Cup. But do you think we're going to end up having this conversation in three, four, five, six weeks' time? If there's games this weekend. I think we could be having it again this weekend. Um <laughs> The, the talk about grey areas, you talk about light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like we were getting there with refining and understanding as a community what was not allowed and what was allowed. And now with this decision, I, me watching a, a red card incident, if I see one that a week ago I would have said Stonewall red card. Uh, this weekend, if I see an incident, I'm I'm not going to know. I'm not going to know. Based on the precedent that has been set now, I couldn't say that's definitely a red to anything anymore because, you know, which way was the wind blowing? You know, I'm being daft, but um, yeah, I think we, they push us into the greyest of grey areas, the muddiest of muddy waters, unfortunately. And we are, unless some, a U-turn happens, which, like I said, I don't have faith in happening. I think we are the train for the having this conversation again has left the station. It's, it's entirely fair. And, We'll wrap it at that because we have another pod to record. So for those listening at home, I'll be joined by Hugh and Enda for a tier two podcast that'll come out in, or not tier two, apologies, for Pacific Island Nations, Fiji, Samoa and Tonga. That'll come out next week. There will also be a podcast on Friday looking ahead to Ireland against England at the weekend. And there'll be a recap podcast as well after the game. There will also possibly be a very special article ahead of this weekend's game. I don't want to give too much away, but basically if if things happen, it's going to be centered around one player and one player you can imagine I would be writing about. Very special piece that will be coming either this week or next week or so we hope. But anyways, thanks to the lads and thanks to everyone at home for listening. Hopefully you agree, but if you don't, there is a Q&A section down below absolutely feel free to fire them in or catch us on one of our Twitter pages. I will have the links down below and to the lads podcast. But for now, thanks to everyone for listening. Take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.